It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from. Welcome to another Thursday morning which has rolled around. It is June the 22nd. We are flying through the week. The weekend's going to be here soon enough. And if you are a first-time buyer, you don't need me to tell you how challenging the market is to enter the property market right now due to the rising prices and the time. I mean, this is the the most difficult aspect, the time required to save for that all-important deposit. The median deposit for a 20% down payment on a property varies, of course, based on location, ranging anywhere between between $120,000 to $290,000. That is in capital cities across Australia. Now, according to the Domain First Home Buyer Report, the average Australian aged 25 to 34 takes about five years to save for a house and three and a half years to save for a unit. The Domain House Price Report reveals over 300 suburbs in capital cities with more affordable 20% deposits which are under $100,000. I can hear you say, whereabouts are they? Well, some examples of affordable suburbs include Osborne Park in Western Australia and Woodbridge in Queensland with median unit prices of 220k. That's pretty reasonable. In Perth, in Western Australia, affordable suburbs include Maylands, also Armadale, Midland and Shoalwater. You might know those suburbs. In Brisbane, affordable suburbs include Menunda, Hermit Park and Bungalow. So they are out there. It's just a case of doing the research and locating an area that you can move into if that is an option around your work-life commitments. Oh, and I should also point out that Harris Park and Blacktown in Sydney offers an entry point for Sydney siders with median unit prices of around $430,000 with a deposit of 86000 So despite expensive house prices, the unit market in Sydney remains relatively affordable given the current state of the market, certainly attracting first home buyers along with investors. From the emotion of property, the economic inflation, managing your expectations, lack of stock, price growth, construction appetite, days on market. Stay informed with us and know your property. And right now it is time for another 30-second property tip. We are off to Hobart this morning. And Nick, good morning once again. What have you got for us uh, this morning? Good morning, Craig. Thank you for having me. Uh, Look, in terms of clients out there considering placing their home on the market, a big factor that we're certainly considering at the moment when we're representing our clients is ensuring that presentation is impeccable. It comes down to listening or working collaboratively with an agent, taking their suggestions on board, You know, whether that be styling, 
buying or staging the property. Often that's a, a huge factor, makes a property absolutely pop, stand out from other homes that are on the marketplace. Now, we find that often the clients that we work with, you know, maybe only sell a home every eight, 10, 20 years, you know, from experience, you know, we've got clients that will take absolutely everything on board and they will do everything that often ends up very well. Clients perhaps go the other way and they're not prepared to invest in the staging, as mentioned earlier, not prepared to paint, they don't have time, not prepared to replace carpets. And sometimes they don't quite achieve that that highest possible price that was available in the marketplace. So, you know, it is absolutely critical at the moment to ensure presentation is to an absolutely high standard. We don't just report on real estate news. We take you to the source of the information. We produce more property podcasts every week than anyone else. We are your trusted guide for all things real estate. It's time to go back to the Real Estate Vault for this week's property comment. One of the things that I've been struck with ever since the COVID pandemic period, of course, is the is, is something of a, a movement to the regions. Some of our larger regional cities, not just Greater Geelong and Ballarat and Bendigo, but also, also a number of others that are within, say, a two and a half to three hour travel time of Melbourne and also tick boxes in terms of lifestyle attributes have really, uh, really kicked on over that period. They've, they've exhibited pretty strong growth and with the ability to work from home or, or perhaps embark on some sort of hybrid lifestyle where you might only really need to return to uh, headquarters, if you like, back in Melbourne, maybe once a week, perhaps even once a fortnight or something like that. I think there are opportunities going forward now for a lot of people to have a bit of a think about where they wish to base themselves either permanently or at least on a, a permanent part-time basis going forward. And I think that's going to mean that we we might have a, a bit of a more elevated expectation of the growth rate we might see in some of our bigger bigger regional cities and uh, lifestyle towns going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make, a sort of a hybrid, exactly right, because in the next five years, if you project five years out from now, I think it'll be very interesting to just see how that has developed, this whole working from home. And not only that, connectivity as well. Like there are patches where Wi-Fi is not that great, but, you know, in a couple of years' time, some of these pockets will have, you know, G5, and that'll open up a whole new opportunity for people. I think that's exactly right. Uh, not just connect- connectivity in terms of um, of, of data and uh, that sort of thing, but also uh, in ter- in transport terms. Victoria is one of the more accessible states back to the state capital. It differs geographically to just about every other state in that regard. And the freeway network, but perhaps even more particularly now going forward, the rail network out to regional cities is improving and frequencies are improving and the ability to either walk to or perhaps drive to a station and then be back in Melbourne in a reasonable amount of time is improving. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. In just a moment, we are going to take you to Brisbane this morning. If you're celebrating a year older for June the 22nd today for your Thursday, happy birthday. Meryl Streep is celebrating her 73rd birthday and Cindy Lauper is turning 69. I saw her on that video, We Are the World, from back in the 80s. She kind of stole the show a little bit. So happy birthday, Cindy Lauper. 
It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, a bit of a mixed bag. Let's go to Sydney this morning, expecting showers this afternoon, a high of 17 degrees. In Melbourne, rain to increase and 13 is your forecast high. 22 and partly cloudy but dry in Brisbane and in Perth, expecting a few showers to develop and your high 17 today. From investment strategy to market analysis. And that really just starts to sort of play on the mind of those people trying to borrow money and move into the housing market because they start to think, gee, what is likely to happen next? I definitely think first home buyers are going to be knocked out by rising rates for a couple of reasons. One, they rely on their income and their serviceability as a way to get into the market. And with much higher rates and serviceability buffers at 3% above, that's going to knock a lot out. Secondly, there was a boom in first home buying during COVID and even the couple of years before when interest rates had been lowered and homeowners got a, a better interest rate deal after the Royal Commission. So there's a bit of an overhang of that. Like there's, a, there's only a limited pipeline of people ready to be first home buyers. So I think that's what's going to happen. Know your property with us on The Real Estate Podcast. And this morning we are going to take you back to an earlier podcast from earlier this year. Back in February, we turned the spotlight on on New Farm and Paddington in Brisbane and we pick up the conversation with Alex Rutherford talking about rentals. Yes, it's driving a lack of sellers because realistically, I don't know the, the full percentage, but I heard some, something like in the last quarter, rents went up by about 10%. So for a landlord, you're looking at something like a, a cottage buying about 1.4 is getting $1,000 a week. So if you look at repayments, it actually makes it easier to keep those properties. So we actually have surprisingly very little property coming to market. And a lot of those investors, they're earning too much money out of the rental market to really put the properties on the sale market. What about the at the other end of that? So if somebody's making a lot of money with the rentals, they can then leverage themselves up to buy another property. But, you know, they find it at the other end that there is not the properties there for them to buy. Is, is that been a bit of a factor? Mm, it is. So they're then having to go further out or look at completely different markets. So yes, it is It is a factor and we are finding that there's buyers looking up to six to 12 months to find the next property that suits either their portfolio or lifestyle. So it's it's quite quite a hard market to buy into. Mm, and you'd be dealing with a lot of these people, I would imagine, particularly new farm owners that have got a bit of a portfolio, quite a bit of buying going on over COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of them are very savvy. They bought just at the start of COVID and have done incredibly well. What we find with the new farm market, a lot of that buyer profile, they try and buy again. So they generally, if they can afford to, they have one or two properties and their preference is to stay within the area. And then because it's such a lifestyle precinct, you've got fantastic cafes, restaurants close to the city, city cat, beautiful parks, beautiful walkways. Um, it's very livable. So we do find it's an aspirational suburb for a lot of those first home buyers or let's say downsizers that come into the area as well. So it's putting pressure on that market, which then is driving price as well. Paddington's a little bit different where it's um, a mix between executives and families. 
you do get a, a vestas in in there as well but it doesn't have as much as the culture there's a, a lovely beautiful um, cafe precinct but it doesn't have the fine dining as much as new farm does and the streets are a little bit different um, they have more of a hilly aspect and also you do get fantastic breezes through there it's very livable but that sells differently again so you find that that is more of a longer term hold and also because of the demand the prices aren't as high there seems to be a bit of uh, development going on is there over the last uh, 12 months between the two suburbs Yes, so New Farm, there is very little land, but they have definitely been a resurgence in high quality apartment builds. So starting sort of 3 million plus. So that market is definitely a very strong marketplace, suits a lot of downsizers particularly wealthy and aspirational buy-in. Paddington, there's been more of the infrastructure just because of the land that's available and also the building overlays that are available for that particular suburb. It has been more Queenslanders that have been moved forward and then the apartment blocks being built behind. So they are very different styles, but both very popular. Yes, and so today it, it is rate rise day. So can you remember the first house that you bought? Where was it? Uh, what was it? And what was that interest rate? I can. It was back in, boy, 2000, sorry, 1995. I'll correct myself. 1995, it was a two-bedroom, one-bathroom unit in Adelaide because I was living there at the time. It had a tenant in it. The rates were 14.2%. 14.2. 14.2. And we paid $68,000 for it. We still own it today. We've renovated it once and it's worth, I think, about $375,000. Oh, that, that's a good yeah. point, isn't it? Just to, to make that point, hold property as long as you possibly can. Yes, we, we've done both. We've bought, renovated and sold. We've bought, divided and sold. And then some of the properties that maybe we can't sell or we bought it before we had tax structures in place, so it's in our personal names, we will keep that because it has really fantastic cash flow. It sits there and we we actually um, leverage against it from time to time when we're buying another portfolio property. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 